Welcome to Heard at Heritage. Heard at Heritage features cutting-edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement, as well as premier events and programming from the Heritage Foundation here in the heart of Washington, D.C., brought straight to you. Welcome to our program, The Illegal Immigration Industrial Complex, How Nonprofits and Corporations Are Facilitating the Border Crisis. Please welcome Laura Rees, Director of the Heritage Foundation's Border Security and Immigration Center. Good afternoon and welcome to the Heritage Foundation. I'm Laura Rees, the Director of the Border Security and Immigration Center here at the Foundation. I'm excited for this event today because it's going to provide some information, particularly visual data that you haven't seen elsewhere on an aspect of the border crisis that too few are willing to talk about. And that is the involvement of non-government organizations or NGOs and corporations and their key roles in the historic border crisis. Our speakers today are Representative Lance Gooden, who was first elected in 2018 to represent the 5th District of Texas. He's a member of the House Committee on Financial Services, and he has a good business perspective on the border crisis. We also have Mike Howell, who's the director of Heritage's Oversight Project, which was launched this year. Mike is a veteran of both the House and Senate Oversight and Government Affairs Committees, as well as at the Department of Homeland Security. So we're gonna jump right in, starting with Mike, followed by Representative Gooden, and then I'll ask both of them a few questions and open it up to audience questions as well. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, everyone who's here and those watching online. Uh, we're super excited about uh, what we're gonna talk about today because I think it is something that has not gotten enough attention. And that is basically the uh, NGO involvement in the Biden border crisis. It's something that a long time ago, Laura and I and others recognized as part of the crisis that frankly the Biden administration you know, wouldn't be able to pull off what they've been able to pull off without their help. And so the investigation we conducted over the course of this year, which we'll, we'll present with slides, was aimed at proving you know, their, their role. And the way we did this is after watching the use of cell phone data and particularly the location uh, trajectory of cell phones in the course of you know, CDC and their, their COVID tracking, you all may remember the maps that used to be shown on CNN and other networks basically that showed after Miami spring break, cell phone devices would then go out throughout the entire, the rest of the country. You may remember after January 6th, the, the FBI and, and the federal government's significant reliance on cell phone data to arrest people who you know appeared at the protests or in the vicinity of the Capitol that day. We decided that there is a potential for the Heritage Foundation to use such data as a, as a force for good. And so what we basically did is we bought bulk cell phone data, anonymized, uh, and geofenced it, which means we, we shrunk the, the physical location of the data we were looking at down to 30 border NGO facilities. And we're gonna walk through on the slides that I have to my left and right and, and on the screen for those walking online. And here's, here's what we found. So in stage one, we decided, uh, let's look at some, an NGO that we know for a fact is involved in the, the facilitation of the illegal immigration crisis. This is the Val Verde processing center located in obviously Valverde, Texas. This is a location I observed myself in which thousands and thousands of illegal aliens were being dropped off by border patrol and then greeted by NGO workers at this facility provided with transportation, whether it was a plane ticket, a car ride, a bus ticket, and moved on their way. This is a, 
a location where illegal aliens only spent, you know, some in some cases less than 24 hours. The degree to which they were able to process and distribute illegal aliens was, was frankly staggering. And so we decided, let's test out this data and technology here at this location and see what we find. We also decided, let's look at the Border Patrol. And so what you're seeing on your screen is the Del Rio CBP station. This is a station where illegal aliens once they're, you know, quote unquote, apprehended by Border Patrol, and I say quote unquote because very often illegal aliens just turn themselves over to Border Patrol because they know they'll just be processed. So we geofence that too. Those dots that you're seeing on the screen are uh, cell phone devices within the facility. And so then we decided, let's look at a one month period and see where they went. Here you're seeing a map of the uh, migration patterns from those facilities over a one month period. Uh, this basically proved the concept to us that we can track the movement of cell phone devices from the border. So after this stage, which was phase one, we decided let's build this out. So what we did is we got together a list of other NGOs we knew were involved in this activity. Uh, you're seeing on the map the, the names and locations of, of several places that Border Patrol was dropping off thousands of illegal aliens. So on the screen, this what you're seeing here, about 22,000 devices that were targeted over a one-month period. So keep in mind, this is a very small snapshot, only 22,000 devices, one-month period. Here's what we found. They're going all over the country. You'll notice the, the patterns here virtually hit every single congressional district on the U.S. mainland. Uh, you'll notice that there is a heavy reliance, obviously, on the U.S. highway system. A lot of these paths follow the, the, the main transits routes of, of the U.S., and they're basically going all over the country. Obviously, you know, you'll see a lot of locations on there that match up with airports. Uh, but the point that this proved to us is that this is not just a border crisis where illegal aliens are you know, staying in the Southwest or going to major metropolitan areas. It truly proves the point that every town is a border town. And so after this, we decided, wow, that was you know, quite a stark fighting. Let's see if we can replicate it. So we found 13 more NGOs that were involved in this activity. And we decided, let's see if we could replicate our findings, test you know, what we already found. Sure enough, on an even smaller subset of only 5,000 devices here, we saw a strikingly similar migration pattern. You'll, you'll see this virtually hits every single congressional district in the mainland US as well. Now that we kind of had proven that the, the spread is complete through the entire United States, we decided that it may be best to you know, zero in on one of the biggest actors in this. And anyone who's worked in border politics knows that Catholic Charities is immensely involved in not only uh, you know, helping migration to the United States, uh, lobbying our lawmakers here in DC to keep the border open, but also involved at the border in terms of taking custody of illegal aliens and moving them throughout the country. So we thought, let's test just one facility. Let's see where they go. Here you'll see the Catholic Charities facility that we decided to geofence, and here's where they went. So this very small subset of only one facility in a one month period of time, you'll see the findings pretty much replicated. And so this establishes a baseline, which I think uh, sets up congressional oversight and investigations very well. This is something that not only members from Texas should be concerned about or any other border states or districts, you are seeing illegal aliens go all over the country. Uh, also, a point of concern that I'd like to raise with the Department of Homeland Security is we've all seen Alejandro Mayorkas testify time and time again when he is asked, where are the illegal aliens going by members who want to know how many illegal aliens are in my district? Or we all recall the night flights that were occurring where illegal aliens were being dropped off in the middle of the night without you know, the knowledge or forewarning of, of local law enforcement, congressional leaders. This shows that is actually occurring on a regular and widespread scale. So 
we're really hoping that this oversight uh, project and investigation tees up the all important work that I know Representative Gooden is about to talk about. Uh, so we are excited to share these findings with you. We look forward to them uh, being used in congressional oversight. I think a good starting point for that should be the impeachment of Mayorkas, by the way. That's a separate topic that we might be able to get into. But uh, with that, I'd like to turn it over to to Laura and to ask a couple questions about the findings and what's on the agenda of this Congress. Actually, we'll go to Congressman Gooden. Okay. Yep. You Sir? just thought you were the MC. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much and thank you all. You know, it's, it's a real shame that we even have to meet here to talk about this because this should not be a problem, but it is. And I'm appreciative of that explanation because I've, I've heard about your findings and it was kind of difficult to process without the slides. So thank you for that. And it really coincides with what I discovered. I've made a few trips to the border. I actually have not been to Del Rio, uh, but we saw the same thing in the San Diego area down uh, north of Tijuana. I, I visited uh, with the Border Patrol and they explained the process. And it basically is this. As soon as they cross that barrier in the event that they run across the actual sec secured border or uh, they cross outside of a, a secure area or through over water or over land, uh, they know they're going to be processed. They're in Border Patrol custody for a very short time. And then Border Patrol calls one of these NGOs and the NGOs roll in literally on charter buses. They load them up and then they take them in most cases to a, a facility that is uh, in the Southern California area, a shut down, closed down hotel motel operation such as um, something like a Courtyard Marriott or um, a Sheraton Four Points. It's kind of the smaller um, brand name, but a small scale drive-in, uh, get a room key, and stay a few nights. We drove up to these uh, hotels. We went to several in the San Diego area. They were very much in the interior of the United States, and they were all barricaded off. There was uh, fencing. There were tarps covering um, the outer area of these drive-in hotels. And these are places, one of them was a Four Point Sheridan San Diego SeaWorld, I believe it was. And this is a place that you would have taken your kids and stayed at three or four years ago. But since uh, President Biden has been in office, these hotels have been basically bought and not bought, but uh, char catered, chartered, shut down, uh, booked up by these NGOs. And so everyone is profiting. And what happens is these charter buses, they roll in. They process everyone. Everyone comes off. They get their bag full of uh, supplies that they may have brought uh, across the journey, or they have toiletries that the NGOs give them. They get a COVID test. Uh, then they get a room key, and they stay one or two nights. And then someone meets with them from the NGO, and they're given a plane ticket, a bus ticket, a train ticket, whatever it is they want to go wherever it is they want to go. And the reason I know this is because we, we talked with the few people that would talk to us, uh, but we, it, we were asked to leave once they found out who we were. Um, they were not honest about what they were doing. They said this hotel is closed for construction, this hotel is closed for COVID. And our uh, response was, this, if what you're doing is so noble, why are you lying about it? Why not just admit, hey, yeah, we are, uh, we are facilitating uh, the shuttling of illegal immigrants all across the United States? And a few things uh, were even more disturbing as we uncovered this. One, TSA uh, had been given instructions from the top to accept an arrest warrant or a notice to appear in court as a form of identification when these immigrants get to the airport. You and I have to pull out our IDs to go through security at the airport. 
but not illegal immigrants as long as they can show some kind of paper that looks semi-official with a name on it. Uh, that was frustrating. Another thing that was frustrating was the complicitness by large, once respected organizations like the Jewish Family Coalition and uh, Catholic Charities. Those are the, the two uh, main contributors to this mess. Um, the Lutherans are involved, some of the, um, the other religious groups that are not quite as well known, but Catholic Charities is a big offender. They are making a great deal of money on this, and there's another organization you need to be aware of called the International Office of Migration, which is within the United Nations. That is something that's funded by the United Nations. They are giving migrants on the other side of the border uh, calling cards, gift cards, shopping cards. They are prepping them for when they make the eventual crossing. They're saying, this is what you need to do when you cross that border. There's going to be a Catholic Charities person waiting for you. They're going to help you get to a hotel. You can take a shower, uh, get relaxed, and then make a decision for where it is you want to go. Once you get to where you're going, this is how you uh, work the process to get your children enrolled in school, uh, to find a place to live. These are the communities um, that are more favorable to showing up unannounced, where you're not going to be sent off somewhere. Um, but we have called out some of these groups. We've called out the Catholic Charities. And they say um, that they've basically called us liars. They've said, we are serving uh, a purpose. We are helping innocent migrants. Um, but what they failed to do is admit that they are help, uh, helping facilitate the enrichment of the cartel. They are encouraging more migrants to take the journey to potentially be trafficked, raped, killed, um, sold into slavery. Uh, they are facilitating this. And they're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, I don't believe um, that that is the intention of the average churchgoer in the Catholic Church. I'm not Catholic, but I'm, I've spoken to many of uh, my constituents that are. They are not in approval of this. They're very disappointed. Uh, they also just don't know what to do. They see the direction the Catholic Charities has taken. The Jewish Family Coalition is another offender. Um, but these NGOs are very much in bed um, with the illegal immigration big business crisis. I also uh, believe that they get a cut of these uh, fundings from International Office of Migration. Um, DHS, as well, is paying them uh, to take them off their hands. They take these loans out. They get a 25% cut. I believe Catholic Charities made over $2 million last year. So it is very much a big business operation. Um, and then to sum it all up, uh, we've got folks, some in our own party on the Republican side, uh, that are encouraging this as well because they get to exploit the cheap labor once everyone gets here. Uh, I'll remind you on that uh, slide you saw, those were, uh, the concentration was in Texas, but that's just because the geofencing started on the Texas border. If you had seen the same thing in San Diego, you would have seen a totally uh, a blue screen across the state of California and Arizona because everyone is doing the same thing. They're crossing the border, they're being told that they, one, will not be sent home, and two, not only will they not be turned away, but they will be welcomed by some organization that will put them up in a hotel, give them a plane ticket, and send them to wherever they want to go. And this is something uh, that we can't seem to get any uh, answers uh, from the Biden administration about. I'm very much looking forward uh, to taking back the House and having these gavels across all of these committees next month so we can actually have investigations. We can impeach uh, Mr. Mayorkas. We can do so many things uh, that for four years have, have been undone. But we have a very serious crisis at the border. And unfortunately, um, some, some within our own party are helping to facilitate it. Um, and the NGOs are, are a huge problem. So we'll think, take your question yep. shortly. 
All right, I'll start out with a few questions and then open it up to the audience. So, uh, Congressman Gooden, you had mentioned some of the hotel mm -hmm. here. Now, you've also done some oversight work with respect to other corporations, transportation and some social media platforms. Can you talk a little bit about those, uh, what, you, what you found, have they responded, and um, what do they do? Yeah, well, they're, they're very uncomfortable. You know, some of these corporations, they donate money to Catholic charities. They donate money to some of these groups that... Uh, at one point, if, if I told you Catholic Charities uh, wants a contribution check, you might have pulled out your checkbook and sent it to them. But they've gotten into the business of this illegal um, immigration. And so when we bring that up to uh, some of the airlines who have helped facilitate passengers without identification, when we, when we bring it up uh, to some of these corporations that donate to them, they don't want to talk about it. And they, they have been very reluctant uh, to answer any questions because they haven't been forced to. There's no subpoena coming from Congress, there's no oversight. And so I, th I think it's going to be important in the next Congress to hold them accountable and make sure that they know the American people are not okay with this. What's social media's participation? What do they do? How are they involved? Um, well, Facebook, uh, all the others have helped facilitate. Um, they have these, uh, these pages that these NGOs are, they're private groups. We have um, gained access to some of them, but they're helping facilitate law breaking. That's uh, it's basically what it is. And so, uh, Facebook has played a role. I, I don't know that Twitter is as much of a culprit, but Facebook has been very much involved, and they've actually got, uh, I'm told, members on their staff that are helping uh, to deal with immigration issues, and they do it in the name of um, a, a, a good Christian exercise. And I, I think that's unfortunate uh, because the churchgoers I represent back home uh, do not want to encourage human trafficking. They're not interested in encouraging sexual slavery or empowering the cartel. Uh, but that seems to be uh, what we're getting, and Catholic Charities has played a huge role in that. What's this going to do to uh, the congressional districts, to the U.S. Census, to apportionment? Well, you know, one could say that there's some uh, big plan to um, expand the, the population and help the Democrats. I'm not convinced that in 10 years, uh, a Hispanic of today is going to want to vote for Democrats. Uh, the nation that they're, they think they're coming to won't be the same nation that we have 10 years from now. I'm not really looking uh, from a political perspective. I'm not really interested in um, weighing the possible political outcomes with redistricting and all that, because I think as Americans, we should be more concerned with just what's right and, and what's not, and encouraging this and sending money to the cartels via these coyote systems where they're, uh, they're, they're selling people into slavery helping shuttle them across the border. I think that anyone who's playing a role in that uh, is, has, some, has some serious issues they need to reckon with within. Mike, uh, now that you, you've shown this data and, and members of Congress are seeing it, what should they do next Congress now that they can see that uh, these migrants are going to every single state and every district? Yeah, absolutely, great question. So I think step one, is treating this crisis like the massive scandal it is. I don't think ever before in our nation's history have we had a president and his you know, secretary through Mayorkas do something that is so against the national interest and against the law in broad daylight and for a political program. So I think it's high time for members, and you know, Rep Gooden, you've been leading on this, but there's a lot of others who have not, to start treating it like the biggest constitutional crisis this country has ever found itself in. This is a massive human resettlement program. It is working with our enemies in the cartels. It is opening up our border 
to a massive flood of drugs that has created an epidemic of massive proportions. It is the leading cause of death for people, young people in this country, now of opioid overdoses. And the reason why drugs are able to come in is because the border is on fire. And the border is on fire not because it's something that happened to the Biden administration, but because something a bunch of radical open borders sought out and designed to do before they even got sworn into the White House and these other cabinet agencies. The premeditation, the purposefulness of this needs to be the central element that we focus in on. And this example that we've shown here shows that it is not just in the political centers of power. They're working with people, international organizations. You're talking about the UN providing you know, funding. A lot of these NGOs also we're talking about here on these maps are working to push the migration to the border. It's also been a huge boon to the cartels. Keep in mind, what's happening here and we're showing on these maps is pretty much the completion of the human smuggling chain on behalf of the cartels. And so we need to start treating this like Joe Biden and all of the, the people who are implementing this agenda, Mayorkas chief amongst them, are engaged in the biggest betrayal of their constitutional oath of office duty. And I'm not hearing that tone rhetoric and anger from the Republican Party right now going into this oversight session. And I think working with Congress, we need to get them zeroed in on the fact that this is unacceptable and nothing like this has ever been done. Before. If you add up all the things they accused Donald Trump of and multiply them by 100, it wouldn't even come close to this betrayal of our country and the damage in, in both our sovereignty, security, and human life that it's caused. And so that's what we're calling on. That's all we're asking for. That's it. Congressman, uh, DHS right now is asking for an anomaly to the continuing resolution uh, for about $6 billion more dollars um, to, to fund these operations, uh, including about $820 million to go to FEMA, which would go to these NGOs. When is Congress going to stop funding these operations? Well, I hope next year. Um, I'm, I'm not so confident uh, that between now and January 3rd, when we take back the House, uh, that we'll get what we want. But I cannot imagine any Republican supporting a continuing resolution that has that in it. And I know there's uh, lots of folks that want to get home for Christmas and hold their nose and vote for something. And there's a lot of stuff that I might could hold my nose and vote for, but that's just not it. And I think it's unforgivable that we're going to potentially continue this. Uh, and we're not just kicking the can down the road or, or doing some minor damage. This is permanent, serious damage in many ways. Uh, it's inhumane. It's a betrayal of our values and of uh, the president and his posse's uh, constitutional responsibility. And I think we've got to stand up in this next week. We had some wins. Last week, they were trying to throw all kinds of things in the NDAA. We kept them out. I believe we can keep this out next week, but we're not going to be able to cave. And come next Congress, I think there's absolutely no way that we can agree to negotiate on anything if this kind of stuff is not stopped. And I think you'll see one of the big issues. We realize it's a divided Congress. We realize the president is still Democrat. We realize we're not going to pass any bill. Uh, in the House that becomes law without President Biden's signature. But I think uh, President Biden um, is going to be willing to negotiate on something because uh, he's got to get a spending bill passed at some point. We're going to have to get an NDAA bill passed. And I think Republicans are, uh, are done struggling with deciding what the big issue is. I think the big issue back home is immigration. And I, I believe we'll have some leverage. And I hope, I hope we use it in the next Congress and finally get something done, some serious stoppage what we've seen over the last four years. So Mike, what is next for Oversight Project on this issue? So we're obviously going to have a lot of follow-up threads on this specific study. Uh, we're also engaged in a series of lawsuits against the Department of Homeland Security for documents and communications that I think you and your colleagues in Congress will find very useful. I think what we shouldn't be expecting next Congress 
is that the Biden administration is going to be the most obstructive administration of all time. They're going to fight tooth and nail in the courts and you know, at, at lower levels to not turn over a, a thing. And so we're engaged in a series of absolute you know, strategic lawsuits to pry that information out. Because frankly, it's our country, it's our information. The fact that we have to sue to get this out speaks to how uh, degraded our you know, constitutional systems become. That basically the administration could do this in, under the cover of night impact every single congressional district and not even be called to the table to answer for it or forced to. But I'll just say as one matter, what, what the most important thing we can do right now is stopping this amnesty bill that's in the Senate. It, it is a travesty that anyone from either side of the aisle would put forth a solution now, quote unquote solution, that rewards this border crisis. The fact that we even have these conversations now speaks to a fundamental unseriousness of our representative lawmakers, especially in the Senate. Hopefully this thing's dead on arrival, but the fact that it's even brought up is, is very troubling because right now this country is being you know, infiltrated. Many people believe it's being invaded and states are being forced to constitutional remedies. And the fact that we're even talking about amnesty is an absolute joke. So we got to put an end to that before we can engage in any sort of real oversight. Uh, one more question for Congressman and then we'll open it up. Uh, with regard to asylum, you had talked a little bit about UN, UNHCR and their involvement south of the border. Um, on, on the plus side, the process that it exists for the U.S. Refugee Admissions Program, uh, where the U.N. is initially screening the cases, handing the cases out to different countries and having different countries resettle, not just the U.S. You know, it's, it's, it's an inf infrastructure, it exists, it could be used, it needs to be improved, obviously. What do you think should be done with respect to U.S.'s involvement in the U.N. and then UNHCR? Well, the, the big problem that we, we saw when we were at the border was that that process has been abused. And so we were talking with border agents that said, see those barriers right there. If we have 200 uh, border crossers just run across and 50 get across and declare asylum, we have to accept their declaration and put them through the system, which means we call the NGO, we give them a court date that they don't show up for. And so, yes, it does sound nice uh, when we have legitimate asylum seekers, uh, let's say someone's coming over from Ukraine or Russia or one of these war-torn areas, um, and they perhaps may be a legitimate asylum seeker, they don't have a, a legitimate shot so long as everyone coming across the southern border is claiming asylum, which is what we're seeing. Um, that's the way they, they get their court date, they get their papers, they have no intention of, of showing up, and they uh, play the asylum card, uh, and then we never hear from them again. They get shuttled, shuttled across that map that you saw. So I, uh, I have very little, little faith um, in the United Nations. I think that as their biggest supporter, uh, we are crazy to continue sending the money that's being spent against us. We're actually sending the money that then they are using for this International Office of Migration. That they're putting on gift cards and they're encouraging illegal immigration. So any points they may get for helping on the asylum side, I think, are far outdone uh, by the damage that they've helped do to our country and we've helped pay for. And my constituents think it's, it's totally crazy. And I, I want to see some oversight and accountability in the next Congress with respect to funding for the UN and programs that we seem to be endorsing from a national policy. Okay. Uh, let's open it up for questions. I have two people with mics, so please wait for the mic. Uh, say your name, uh, who you're affiliated with, and in, please ask a question rather than a speech right here. Do I need to stand? No, up to you. Thank you. Uh, name's Dave Onstock, no affiliation. I'm asking a very provocative question. Does your opposition to migration across the border cause you and his organization 
to rethink their opposition to abortion and birth control, knowing that, number one, these migrants that are trying to come across the border come from countries with the most dr draconian anti-abortion laws on earth. And number two, uh, if, um, do, do, don't you think that forcing poor women and girls in this country to bear more poor children could create some of the very same problems that are, are existing now in Central America uh, that caused these migrations in the first place? Thank you. Sure. Uh, I'll just simply say you, you mischaracterized what we've said from the get-go. No one in this room has said we're against migration. I'm against illegal immigration, uh, which is what we're trying to stop. So I won't um, even begin to comment on social policies of other nations, uh, but I will say uh, that I, along with I would guess everyone on this stage, are very much pro-legal immigration. Uh, but it's the illegal immigration, illegal immigration, that uh, we think is uh, destroying our country, the influx of um, God knows who coming across our border and being encouraged and paid for by our government is the sin that needs to be resolved. I, I uh, thank you very much. Uh, I find your list of some of the NGOs very instructive, but have you got a list of all of the NGOs that are south of the border? Because there's a whole chain of those as well. And I would argue that maybe if you could get on to something like uh, on a show like Tucker Carlson where you can lay this out because that information is out there and I think it's one of those things that will awaken the American public once they get to understand what the problem is. Sergio, could you give your name? And oh, I'm Sergio, great question. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. This is an international problem. These NGOs operate all across the, the world. They're often pop-up shops where the money is the same and coming from the same sources, but the names of the organizations are, are completely different. And so that's an area where uh, we have explored. We have an idea and working list of who some of these groups are. But you'll see that you know, in encouraging migration and facilitating legal immigration, there's a lot of work that the NGOs are doing south of the border to help people get here, whether it's a map, whether it's you know, Facebook and the big tech companies hosting channels where advice can be given, people can link up for you know, these, these big caravans. These aren't organic uh, enterprises. These are things that a lot of big money and a lot of people do not wish the US well are organizing, and I think it's would be very good for the Congress in the next, you know, when the conservative majority takes over in the House to make that a, a prime focus. Because a lot of these groups skate around on reputations as, you know, conceptually they're Christian and charitable organizations. And what they're doing is, frankly, against all of those values. And with regard to the Tucker Carlson point, Tucker, if you're watching, we'll come on. Question here in the room. It looks like the hand is coming. Hi, my name is Deborah Weiss, and thank you so much for having this event. Um, I know you said you don't want to speculate about politics, but I would ask, to me, it seems political, even if the calculation that everyone will come and vote Democrat is incorrect, and if it isn't political, could you tell us what you think the motive is? Because you know it is mostly on the left side, and they obviously have some self-serving reason to do it. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the motive is money. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, Catholic Charities, I believe, has made over 2.5 million in helping facilitate uh, these transfers of migrants. 
Oh, the administration. I, you know, it's it depends on the group. I, uh, I I don't know that Joe Biden sits up at night saying how can we open more of the border, uh, but I do believe that the people running his shop um, have kind of turned a, a blind eye and have have gotten in bed, figuratively speaking, um, with these NGOs and with the system. Um, and I think that they have calculated that it's uh, not politically wise for them to do anything about it. And perhaps uh, if this becomes more of an issue, um, they could change course. You know, we saw them uh, change course on energy policy toward the end of the uh, election cycle when they realized it was a losing issue. I, um, I don't believe they're so stubborn that if they think it's uh, going to hurt them politically that they might not change course. Uh, but until the American people are, are more vocal about it, until uh, Republicans seem to be winning the day on the argument and the American people know what a serious problem it is, um, I don't know that they will. And so one of the, the advantages that the Biden administration has had is a complicit Congress, and that will change in January. So I would give it a few months to see uh, how things shake, shake up once we've got uh, subpoenas going once we have members of the administration being forced to testify, things they haven't had to do since Biden took office. Tom. The follow-up question, I think it is political. There's no downside in a secure border. There's no downside unless Americans die from fentanyl, no downside unless migrants dying, no downside unless no inspected terrorists trying to cross the border. I think it is political. I think the Democrats, me and Mark's talked about this many times with GOP congressmen, the Texas delegation, they're playing the long game. They're playing the long game. They're playing the smart game. Because even if they don't vote, they will be counted the next census, which is going to lead to proportionate of Congress. They think they perceive a future political benefit from doing what they're doing. The biggest issue that I think we need to focus on, though, me and Mark just left, we just did a press event on the Hill with a bunch of congressmen, is the national security implication that you mentioned. Border Patrol has arrested people from 161 different countries. Many of these countries are sponsors of terror. They've arrested over 116 known suspected terrorists trying to come into this country. We know there's over 1 million known gotaways recorded on video, drone traffic, and camera traffic. It's just common sense. You gotta believe that at least one of those 1 million came here to do us harm. When you create a crisis this big, that takes 70 to 80% of the agents off the mind, that's when the terrorist organization will take advantage. And that's why Secretary Mayorkas needs to be impeached. That's the number one reason. We, after 9-11, we created all these databases, the FBI screening database, the no-fly list, the visa security program, all these vetting materials that if you're going to come here and blow something up, you used to have to get a visa or get a plane ticket. We've addressed that pretty much. The visa security program has stopped, prevented thousands of people with derogatory information and getting a visa. Well, if I'm a terrorist, I'm not going to put myself in a position to be vetted. I'm not going to submit fingerprints to try to get a plane ticket or a visa. I'm going to go to Mexico and cross the border the way one million others did and not turn themselves in. We've got to remember, were there one million gotaways? Why didn't they want to turn themselves in the Border Patrol? To get a free airline ticket to the city of their, of their choice. To get put in a hotel room at $370 a night. There's only one reason. They don't want to be fingerprinted. So that should be the focus of Congress. And I'll say one more thing about the release. You talk about NGOs, I'm with you 100%. One thing you need to look at, and I think we need a FOIA, there's thousands of empty ice beds today, empty, already paid for through guaranteed minimums. Thousands of beds are sitting there already paid for that are empty while they're paying $370 a night for a hotel room. And the reason for that is because the Homeland Security Life Cycle Report says if you're in detention, you get order removal, you're removed 99.6% of the time. If you're not detained, 
you're removed 6% of the time. That's why this administration is not using the detention beds that are a lot cheaper, already paid for. They're releasing them because they don't want them to leave. That's my opinion, based on 34 years of doing this. Can I, can I ask something real quick? Morgan, former Commissioner CBP, Tom Holman, I think everybody <laughs> knows, right? Former ICE Director. So uh, I, I, go back, ma'am, to your question, why are they doing it? Because this is the big question. Well, I believe there's two perceived political benefits. I, too, believe this is political. One, as Tom said, illegal aliens are counted as part of the census. The second one is this administration believes that every single illegal alien they find a pathway to citizenship is going to equate to a Democratic vote. Now, we can go back and forth whether we agree, but that's what's driving it. And I'll steal something that Laura has put out, and I think she's spot on. The illegal aliens today want five things. They want to be released illegally in the United States. They want to be free from lawful deportation. They want to be able to work illegally, send money home, bring family members here. Was any of that amnesty? Was any of that to be a citizen? No. The illegal alien of today is not the illegal alien of yesterday or the immigrant of yesterday. No illegal alien cares about amnesty. No illegal alien today cares about assimilation or become a United States citizen. They want those five things. And guess what? The administration right now is giving them all five of those things. The only entity that cares about amnesty is the Democratic Party. So make no mistake, they have abdicated their constitutional responsibility. They're jeopardizing every aspect of our nation's safety and national security, and it's all about politics. Uh, J.P. Hogan, I'm wondering, remembering back in Trump years when the wall was being built, Republicans were getting headlines that they were creating more jobs than there were workers. So where did the where would the discussion have gone on how to fix immigration? Would we have been going to a merit-based immigration? And are they doing this to avoid that being at all a possibility? I'll comment on that. Obviously, this country needs to shift to a merit-based immigration mm -hmm. system. The American people deserve a say who's coming in, and frankly, deserve a say on the overall number. The overall legal numbers you know, have been static for some time, and I think the American people's opinions and needs change over time as to who should be coming in, how many, what job qualifications are needed, which ones unfairly compete with American workers. That is a conversation they've been deprived of. The only people that speaks on anyone's behalf in Washington, D.C. usually are the lobbies for these illegal aliens and potential new immigrants. And that needs to fundamentally change. We need to have a serious conversation on Capitol Hill what the legal immigration system should look like. But I think when we talk about illegal immigration and all of the motivations that, that Mark and Tom uh, just laid out, I think, so well, uh, is that the left views illegal immigration fundamentally as a supplement to the legal numbers. They can't get enough with the legal numbers. They want more. And so they want to create a permanent pathway and flood of people through the illegal system. That's why our asylum program, which is you know, an anachronistic old you know, World War II era system that was meant for a small number of people truly, truly fleeing a very specific grounds of of persecution now has been blown up to millions of people from all around the world coming and getting rubber stamped into the country. Uh, and so these are conversations that I think the American people fundamentally need to have. Our representation in DC hasn't been having them on, on our behalf. And I think that's something in the next Congress we really need to play a role at Heritage and elsewhere in instigating that conversation because we're long overdue. And none of these things should you know, happen until the border is absolutely secure. The fact that this cinema and Tillis bill is even being brought up is such a slap in the face of the sovereignty of this country and our citizens' interest. Securing the border is a non-negotiable first step, as is impeaching Mayorkas, by the way, for the damage he has done. And so there's just a big disconnect between what D.C. is doing and what the American people want and deserve. And so that's a conversation I think we all need to, to drive.
I'll, I'll also say that I, I think you'll see probably by March or, or sooner, there'll be a comprehensive Republican immigration plan come out. Jim Jordan's working on it. He'll be chair of the House Judiciary Committee, and he has been tasked with that. And that will roll out, and I believe we will all get behind that plan. There may be aspects of it you don't like, and I'm sure we'll work through that. Uh, but our, our, my message uh, is to convey to folks how serious this is. And while, yes, it is political, if I'm talking to a swing voter, they are not moved by the 10-year-down-the-road argument about reapportionment. The average American doesn't even know what that is. But the average American does know uh, what fentanyl is. They know what the cartel is. They know what terrorists are. And I think if you talk about the present-day problems uh, that affect all of our communities, that is more of a winning argument that wakes people up. But watch for that immigration plan and some quality oversight, which has been lacking. Matt Egan with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Um, quick question for uh, whoever would like to take it. Is it possible to even know how to fix our legal immigration system with the border and the illegal system as broken as it is? Can we even know what's truly broken at this point and how to fix it in Congress with the border as unsecure as it is? That's a, a great question. That's why the, the starting point has to be absolutely securing the border. All of these conversations are secondary when you have over 5 million people flooding, you know, flooding is the wrong word, invited to the southern border by the Biden administration. And so that's where it all begins. And, you know, that's a primary duty of any elected lawmaker, whether you're on Capitol Hill or serving the administration is your, you know, oath to uphold the Constitution and, and protect this country. That's a top duty. And so until that duty is met, I think all of these discussions, whether it's on the Eagle Act, which is on Capitol Hill right now, can you believe Capitol Hill is talking about helping, you know, high-skilled, uh, you know, legal immigrants right now? They should be focused solely on securing the border. There are people dying every single day. There are known as respected terrorists crossing all the time. There are over a million gotaways, people that we don't even know about crossing the border. And what is Capitol Hill focused on? Legal immigration, more for the big business lobby, amnesty for two million. And so we've got to reorient the conversation. I wish we had hundreds of more of Representative Goodens out there to, to refocus it. And I think you're absolutely right. There are elements in the Republican Party and the you know, purported conservatives who are too willing to try to you know, deal and horse trade on these other things when the primary duty should be securing the, the border. And I'm really excited for y'all's flagship legislation. I think you know, it, is, it is going to be very hard for President Biden with this border crisis to have to veto a bill that uh, is going to secure the border. And so uh, very much looking forward to y'all's effort on, on that. And speaking of ships, you know, to answer your question, if the ship's taken on water, you got to get the water and plug the leak, and then we'll talk about fixing the ship and taking it to harbor and doing a total remodel. And so we've got to stop and secure the border, and then we can talk about this plan. And the American people, as you said, should have a say in who's coming. It should not be any one person. It should not be uh, foreign nations or especially the United Nations. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to next Congress, and I think we'll I think we'll at least be in a better place six months from now than we are today. So yes, there is a framework agreement. I'm not sure if legislative text has been out there yet, but generally speaking, what they agreed to is in exchange for two million illegal aliens being amnestied, and the downstream effects of that would grow exponentially to you know maybe upwards of, of 10 million. They haven't been too specific, but it's very open-ended. It, the, the primary thrust of the bill is to get as many illegal aliens voting as possible on a pathway to citizenship and eligible for all of our taxpayer benefits that would go out through the federal government. And then the, the so-called border security element of this, the, the quote-unquote trade-off, isn't even much of a trade-off. We don't get anything good out of it. What it basically does is set up gigantic border processing facilities, which I call illegal immigrant welcome facilities. 
what it would do is massive amounts of people would come to the border to claim asylum. They'd go to the facility. The facility would do the same thing you saw on that map, put them on their merry way. That's not a solution to the border crisis. What that's doing is just better facilitating mass illegal entry into this country. It is not a border security trade for amnesty. So don't be fooled by anyone who says it. It is, you know, a backroom DC deal made by people who are fundamentally disconnected from the interests of the American people. And uh, I'm hopeful that this is dead on arrival. But we're certainly watching everyone who even flirts with this bill because that is an indication they aren't serious about securing this border. They don't need more money on the border, right? Uh, Brandon Judd, national president of the Border Patrol, even said, we don't need more people. What they need is policy. This is a policy issue. The Trump administration has proven through the use of policies, we can fix this border. So I think when, when you get all, all these legislative requests for more money on the border to, to give to the NGOs and line their pockets, I think it just requires policy changes. And I think once we take control of Congress, I hope you push those policy issues because it saves the taxpayers a lot of money and we can secure the border through policy, only policy. We can, we've done it. We've proven it. We can do it again. We can open up that Sheridan for your trip to SeaWorld. <laughs> Tom loves SeaWorld, so that's great. Thank you. Thank you all very much. So uh, clearly these operations uh, need to be exposed, and that's what we've tried to do here with this data and this event. Uh, members of Congress need to be defunding these operations. Uh, Americans who want to donate to good causes and help vulnerable populations, uh, just donor beware when it comes to the southern border. There are many uh, persecuted populations around the globe, uh, but think long and hard um, when you know, your money is going to organizations that might be facilitating more of these um, tragic and, and dangerous conditions. So I want to thank both our speakers, uh, Congressman Gooden and Mike Howell, uh, for your oversight the past two years, the next two years, and, and long into the future. So thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you all.